episode 22 welcome to episode 22 so this was a special episode i mean they're all are but um yeah this was special special yeah yeah lots of uh, lots of lajois around the table yeah an all lajois <laughs> festival and an honorary lajois an honor- yeah. yeah so you're, so you're in the club oh thank you we'll let you in the club thank right? you uh, so we had your, we had Danny Lajoie, who came back, who's your brother, of course, and your dad, uh, yeah. Lucien, also known, a.k.a. Lucien. Lucien, the vampire. Lucien, the vampire. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you're, 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 what made you invite your dad to the, the podcast? I don't know, I just thought it would be a cool thing. Like, that's kind of what we're doing here, is we're inviting interesting people with cool ideas and good life stories, and my dad definitely meets that uh, criteria. Well, I, I'm not going to say I was skeptical, but uh, um, I was like, okay. It was kind of out of the blue, so yeah. I didn't know what to expect, but it, it uh, the, the results were were incredible. I mean, it was this is one of the, my favorite podcasts, I think. Well, I mean, There's so I, many stories. Your dad told some stories, right? He told yeah. some stories about uh, your, your great uncle. Great uncle. Uh, the war, World War II. The, uh, the Royals. Oh, yeah, uh, the Montreal Royals, yeah. yeah. Jackie Robinson, uh, some baseball uh, story. So you, yeah, you, you if are you're a sports fan. Like, there's some stuff in there for you for sure. Uh, Danny talked a little bit about confrontations in the subway, weird encounters in the subway. <laughs> it seems like every time Danny's on, he uh, in- inadvertently creates like the opportunity for a segment <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. created. That's right. Right. He almost uh, he brings it, he brings that kind of energy. Danny's the new snack man. Snack man. Yeah. Yeah. So some snack man stories. <laughs> right. And then you know. Uh, just to make it really interesting at the end we went off on, on drones <laughs> and uh, how drones are terrifying and how drones are interesting and uh, some people are racing them some people are using uh, eagles to catch them yeah. etc eagle force eagle force right so we, we came full circle i think with this yeah. conversation i like to think of this as one of those american western films the paratroops lacking substantial equipment always short of food these are the besieged homesteaders. The Germans, well, naturally, they're the bad guys. And 30 Corps, we, my friends, are the cavalry on the way to the rescue. So uh, I think I should just let you do this intro, man, because uh, I feel outnumbered today. You are outnumbered. There are three Pleasant, pleasantly outnumbered. <laughs> there are three Lajois at the table. That's right. Today, it's so we have returning fun. guest Danny Lajois. Hello, welcome, Danny. Thank you. Great to have you back. Sounds like I'm talking to myself <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we have my dad. Bonjour. Our dad. <laughs> my dad. That's right, Richard. Really? He's not just Our your dad. dad. Okay. <laughs> Do you have something to tell me? It's my show. <laughs> it's my show. Uh, Lucien Lajoie. Welcome, sir. Or Thank in English would be uh, Lucien, <laughs> which is reserved in English for vampires. Correct. Something like that, yeah. So we've brought you here today to ask you, are you in fact a vampire? No, I'm not. Okay. 
<laughs> that's what a vampire would answer. Though. Yeah, that's true. What but, am I supposed to say? Yeah? <laughs> but yeah, Lucian, exactly. Lucian is a good name. Uh, it's it's an, it's not a name that you you hear that much anymore. But that that's something I like about the uh, the older generation of the uh, in, in francophones specifically. Yeah, uh, is you find these really really kick ass names that in French sound really standard, like uh, Regin, right? Yeah. But actually, Lucien is not even from my generation. Okay. It's the generation before Even me. before. Yeah, I was, uh, I was born in 49. Okay. So uh, it's shortly after the war. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have uh, an uncle that was shot during the war. And I was named in his honor. Oh, so that's it's great. a name that I wear with pride, but it's an older name than my generation. Even for your generation. That's yeah. really I interesting. Did, I did not know that. Me neither. Did you yeah, know that? There you go. <laughs> See, man, <laughs> we we're learned starting out today. was... Uh, Margot Fernand, he was uh, Margot's brother. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know where, where he served specifically or what he you mean? He was shot in, uh, in Holland. In Holland, okay. Yeah. During and like the liberation? He was a, a, a paratrooper. Paratrooper, wow. And he was shot as he was descending. Oh my God. Yeah. I Actually, I have a big story on that because... Well, I don't know if I should. No, go for yeah, it. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I can't, that's a great way of starting on things. Yeah. Go, no, go. My, my wife is, is Dutch. Yes. And uh, there's this event that uh, we used to do, which is a walk, a four-day walks, which is a military event that happens every year uh, in, in Holland. And uh, you walk for four days. It's like the Tour de Lille, but it lasts four days and it's on your foot, you know? And it's military and it, they've done it for a hundred years. And this is soldiers and people just walking together? It started as military and now it's, it's open to, to people. And uh, it's a very, really demanding, very tough event. And uh, I went there in 2000 and did that walk for the first time uh, with Jane. And before that, uh, I had, I don't know if you ever seen the movie A Bridge Too Far. Yes, of course. Okay. That's the bridge we walked, all the four bridge, we walked on, on those bridges during the war. So my father-in-law watched the movie with me and it was really, really interesting because he was there as a kid during that time. So he was telling me what he lived. So we'd watch the movie, he'd stop it. He'd tell me the story about uh, what he lived through during that war on that bridge. That's incredible. So when I went there, it meant something when I was in different places. That's cool. But the third day we stopped by a cemetery. Uh, and it's all Canadian soldier that died during the uh, the war. Yeah, a lot of them uh, from. Ah, uh, it's it's mind-boggling. Well, the, you know? the Dutch don't they send over uh, flowers every year? Yes, to commemorate in Ottawa. Them? Yeah. Well, that's not for that reason. That's actually. a different thing. Okay. That's a different thing. It's because we uh, the the Queen was born in Ottawa because uh, we you know we we even declared part of the. Uh, well, that's an old story on on its own. Maybe we won't go into that sure, right sure. now. But the fact is. We went to that cemetery on the third day, and I was looking for the tombstone, and uh, of your of your of uncle. my uncle, uh -huh. so I could bring a picture of the tombstone to uh, to my uh, my aunt, you know, uh, his uh, his sister, so I could bring the, a picture and say we were there, we were there. When we arrived at the cemetery, in front was a monument. And the monument, all the military stop there and they have some kind of a ceremony. And in the back is all the tombstone and it's amazing. Huh? It's manicured uh, rows and rows and rows of tombstone. So we went there looking for the tombstone. So I'm walking there 
And there's nobody but me, Jane, and her dad. And we have our Canadian flag, and we're looking through the tombstone. So there's a guy that approaches us and says, uh, you know, I see it approaching Jane. And uh, I'm, say, I'm thinking, oh, maybe we're not allowed to be there. <laughs> you know, he's going to kick us out. But actually, he was a journalist of one of the biggest newspaper in Holland, the Gerlander or something like that. And he was there to make a story about the Canadian soldiers that died there. It was some kind of an anniversary. And uh, when Jane told him that, he helped us find the grave. Wow. And not only that, the next day, the first page of the Girlander was the story of my, un my uncle. That's incredible. <laughs> so I made, the first time I got uh, in Holland, I made the first page. Wow. <laughs> but famous. when I brought it back, uh, Jane had translated it for my aunt, and she was... Uh, she was really. It really must have been an amazing feeling. It was for her. amazing for her. Yeah. What an incredible story! Yeah. Wow. And all that because my name is Lucien, and we got into that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fire in a hole. Yeah. That's Fire how it goes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's uh, it's incredibly. That that's one thing. As I mean, as an immigrant, obviously, um, I know that on my father's side there were some. There were a lot of soldiers on my father's side, but they were more obviously involved with. Um, Middle Eastern conflict, Six Day War, that sort of right, stuff, right, right. and I, I heard a couple of stories. But um, uh, one of my very good friends, Kurt, his uh, he, he's one of those guys that uh, first of all he's a West Island wasp, like full and like full blooded uh, right. British Canadian. You can't get more British Canadian than that. And uh, he has all the medals and all the pictures of his grandfather who uh, served in the war, right. and he survived the war. But uh, just to hear his stories, I can't. There were even stories of just how he was trying to his his grandfather would try to adapt to life after the war, yeah. And uh, he'd have these. Uh, I remember the story he would tell where this is like twenty years after the war. So the guy's back here. He's with his wife. He's sleeping. Everything's fine. And somewhere in the neighborhood, a car blew out, like a like a tire or something. Right. There was this loud bang, and this guy in his sleep just he grabbed his wife, totally asleep. He grabbed his wife, rolled off the bed. He picked up a slipper, like a hush puppy or whatever. He bit off the tip of it and he threw it out the window. Holy <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. Really? <laughs> it took oh a completely God. automated response, right? And then his wife was like slapping him, like, wake up, wake up. You know, like you're, it's, <laughs> you're, like, you're here. And he's like, oh, yeah. whoa. And he had no memory of it. But he just he went right back to his military training. Wow! Autopilot. Autopilot. He had a grenade gone, like launched by the time he actually came <laughs> oh, to yeah. right. And just wow. There's a lot of aftermath to a war like that. I yeah. suppose you know. I I was there. You know, you're talking. You're 55 years after the war. Eh? You know, I was there in 2000, and we we were sheltered in a hotel. We live in a hotel with other people that uh, Jane and her dad and her, her mom knew, you know, because they'd been going there for many years. And uh, there were still some people there that were talking about, about the Germans, and you, you can see they're still traumatized with what, what went on, you know. And they were very helpful with me trying to, to find it and everything. But uh, you can feel that when they talk about the German, it's, it's, it gets to them. You know, it's deep rooted in them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The they lived really through a tough time. Yeah, it's uh, there's still a thing with the Germans a little bit. Oh well, right? you can't erase that. Uh, imagine, even uh, Jane's mom. Some of her brothers didn't come home at night, you know, because they were grabbed and, and brought to uh, 
to work camp and, and y- sure. you name it. You know? People so. hold a grudge, definitely. It's more than a grudge. It's it's it becomes visceral. I think. Yeah. Like we lived it's it like as a story, but we don't understand how how big this was. People actually sure. lived this in their yeah. backyard. And kind of the reason why Germans can't really celebrate too much at people get know, nervous football games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember. I, I'm a you huge. Know. I'm a Germany fan, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and I remember when they generally finish last, or what I mean, not last, but they they get to the end of the, every World Cup and they won the last one. But every time they get close and they cut to the crowd, just like the German crowd chanting, everyone gets really, really nervous. Yeah, because they, they don't. That's still a thing. It's still an echo. Yeah, they yeah. gotta keep it, keep it down a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was it's just, just the a, same reason why you can't be like white power. Yeah. Yeah. You know. No. No. You know, not, you know, well, that, that was never a good thing, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just that a, was ruined a long if time only. ago. <laughs> there was just a documentary. <laughs> there was just a documentary, but I saw just a little bit of it where. This young lady who was a descendant of a soldier that died somewhere in in Holland or somewhere around there uh, took a bunch of old ex-German soldiers to a war museum. Okay. You know, and then... Oh, yeah, I saw that. You said that to me. You saw that video? And it was very interesting because for them, it's like there's these old timers, but they're like, yeah, man, I remember that motorcycle. Like, I I rode one of those. And it was all really interesting at first, but then it went, remember, it kind of went sour. I had a different take on it than you did. Yeah? Yeah. It seemed to me like a lot of kind of low-ranking guys who thought they were doing the right thing and recounting their experience. Because they, like, they were in like a small town. Off, they weren't in like the, the main battles. Right. They were like, like they were charged Occupiers with like or... Holding mm-hmm. like a town sort of thing or protecting a town. Quote, unquote. It, yeah. In the, it seemed to me that they were defending their actions based on... They thought that they were doing the right thing at the time. They had to have. They haven't revised their... But I'll their tell you one thing. There's nowhere nowhere else to feel as good to be a Canadian as in Holland. Huh? Is that right? Oh, yeah? Oh, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like the last day of the walk, you walk on onto a, a big boulevard. They call it the... Pronunciation's probably not good, but it's called the Intoc. It's kind of like... The celebration you've done it you you made it mm. and people are standing and people they still come out to oh oh and, it's like uh, early days of saint jean baptiste you know where people reserve their seat on the boulevard so they can uh, greet people wow. and even along the walk as you walk through village if you wear a canadian flag people you're their hero they come and they thank you they come and they greet you they come and they they invite you for a drink they uh, wow. you know and 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 they you know have nothing to do with what happened <laughs> in in the war you know mm-hmm. but they still still they never forgot very uh, uh, grateful to the Canadians and uh, when we talk about the this, the military cemetery they uh, they have just to perpetuate the the or to 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 uh, to the generation. Uh, uh, the, the the gratefulness of what happened. They have school kids come and cut the grass around the tombstone and manicure the the cemetery. Just wow! Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you you know we <laughs> as we walked, we gave them little Canadian flag and geez, we were uh, 
made you feel so good to be a Canadian. I mean, after all this time, I never felt that anywhere else. You got to believe then that this is even more than just being grateful. I mean, this this means that they're literally um, educating their generate children and making sure that every single one of them knows absolutely what the deal was, and that's 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 uh, unheard of. I find it amazing. Mm. Yeah, you know. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) That was that was a curve, and just all that about. Being called Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the the point I was making earlier was that yeah. So there are these all these guys in their fifties and sixties with names like uh, Regis, Regent, and things like that. And these are become becoming very they're very stereotypical Quebecois names, yeah. right? Uh, almost they uh, elicit a kind of a chuckle from the younger people sometimes, because the you know uh, when when uh, Quebecois culture is parodied, you know the guy will be named Real or whatever Regent, yeah. but like. Regent, when you think about it in English, it's regent. Yeah. King. Yeah. That's a powerful yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like right. that's a that's a it's not spelled the same, but that's mm-hmm. but that's, that, that's where that comes yeah. from, right? Yeah. And yeah. Royal. Yeah. Roy, yeah. right? It's royal. Yeah. These yeah. are all kingly names and, and uh, aristocratic type power names, you know? And uh, I, I always thought that was super interesting. Yeah. But it's funny that you say that uh, nobody names their kid uh, Lucian anymore. I have a coworker who recently just had a baby and named Lucien. Named, yeah, oh, Lucian. Cool. Yeah, that's after perfect. me, after you. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, with an A or with an E? Uh, with an A. Okay, I think so, that's so kind of really Lucian. Lucian. Oh, so it's yeah. Lucian. Lucian. It's yeah. a it's a it's a Latin name basically, right? And I mean, it's a very mm. old name from. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the names come back too sometimes. It does yeah. sound a little vampiric or something. Lucian. Lucian. Wait, is I your coworker yeah. a vampire? I haven't. Are vampires able to reproduce? I've never been. Do, uh, does he work the night shift? Franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure vampires can't reproduce. We have no. Uh, we have no idea. Until now, we th- we we didn't know they could glow either. Right, they glow. <laughs> shimmer in the sun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're still getting the information. It's, yeah, uh, we thought that they burned up in the sunlight, but really they just sparkle beautifully. We were yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm. We were wrong this whole time. Well, no, no, this is really great. I mean, um, I think it's really cool to be sitting here with 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 you guys because like it's really it's really <laughs> funny. I can see the resemblance, and it's kind of like looking at you got three levels of basically a guy that I've known for for a long time and to get I'm always interested where people come from and uh, how how they grew up so you started post-war what was that like in Canada growing up in the in the early 50s I guess it would be right uh yeah yeah well I was like I said I was born in 49 yeah so uh it it was post-war it was uh, uh uh it wasn't rich you know people were not rich people were poor but uh, it was hard working, you know. My parents came from a rural area. Uh, I was not raised in a rural area, but they were born in a r- rural area and, and raised there. But uh, I was born down in a downtown, lived uh, uh, my first 20 years uh, near Jacques Cartier Bridge. So you must have seen all, the ch- all that change so many times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, now the, it's, now the, it's now the village. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. back then it was just another neighborhood. It was just another neighborhood, and it, people were very close knit. That's what I remember as a kid, because uh, times were hard. You know, people didn't have all the insurance, all the medica- Medicare, all the uh, uh, social safety nets. Social uh, safety, yeah. and people didn't live very uh, old. Huh? So my mom lost her mom. Uh, she was maybe. Uh, eight years old she raised her brothers so uh 
you know, and, and she an wasn't. Right? It wasn't a unique story. Uh, people. Your mother like was that. eight years old when she lost her mom. Something like that. And yeah. she had the ultimatum. The ultimatum. Right? What do you mean the ultimatum? That, that's what I understood. The story was was that like, when her mother died, that she had the ultimatum: is either you quit school and become the mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or all of your ki- all of your brothers and sisters go to the orphanage. Well, the 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 brothers went to the orphanage at first. That's my recollection of the story. My maybe my sister will correct me, but. That's what I remember is uh, her brother went to the orphanage, but didn't, they were not uh, well there. You know, not only didn't, they were not reacting well in the orphanage, so uh, they couldn't make it. You know, they were getting, uh, getting into trouble, into trouble, <laughs> getting violent, getting, uh, you know. Uh, Which isn't even a thing anymore, right? But we, we don't, don't have, have orphanages anymore. No. So uh, my, my mother then decided with, with her dad she decided to assume the role, you know, so... This, uh, and she's like eight, nine years old? Yeah, something like that. Jeez. Wow. So, and she didn't marry until all the brothers were married. Brothers and sister, including Catman. What a sacrifice. Yeah. So she, she had... Uh, that's how it was then. So when it came to my generation, uh, we had parents that were not highly educated. They were uh, honest people, hardworking people. You know, but uh, not very educated. So it wasn't the high-end job. It was the uh, whatever they could get. Right. You know. Uh, put food on the table. Put food on the table. Yeah. My dad had something like three jobs at the time. And, uh, you know, uh, after the war, he was, uh, during the war, he was a uh, shop angus. He was a riveter building okay. boats. Wow. So obviously after the, the war, they didn't need that it very long down. anymore. Yes. So they closed the shop angus. He lost his job. Then he is with three kids, uh, you know, not uh, so. And it was not a unique story. He found another job. He, he, they managed. He found two, three jobs. He scraped you know, by. Scraped yeah. by. But oh. it was not unique. It, it was the, the neighborhood. The status quo. Yeah. That I, I grew up in. So well, I mean, it made very close-knit people. Because so you had to depend on each other. They had to. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They depended on each other. And... Uh, when in 67 they did the expo you know the the expo because they had to enlarge uh, the Jacques Cartier bridge entrance they started demolishing and they stopped right at our house <laughs> doorstep <laughs> so they demolished uh, half the block until then my mom never wanted to move there because her safety net our people she knew all people that she was so close to uh, were all there but then everybody else had to move so then we were able to move after that. But it was a real shock on her. It was really uh, difficult for her to lose uh, her friends and the community around Which her. is something that we don't really have no. anymore. No, no, no. That no. doesn't exist. You literally, like, this almost sounds like one of those native tribes that gets moved out of uh, the forest because yeah. of clear-cutting yeah. or whatever. I, right. I've heard stories of people from, like, the same era where they would have a community of people who all lived around them, and if one person's house burned down... Everybody got in the neighborhood, got together, and built them a new house. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no insurance. There was no yeah. none of no, that. No, it's just no. like people took care of each other. Yeah, yeah. But completely to, foreign concept for yeah. us. In this yeah. day but to and age. to have the whole community, all friends disappear in one shot because of uh, of a project Some development, like, like yeah. Expo. Yeah. Think of what happened at Mirabel when they expropriated all these people. A lot more than they had to apparently, and and look at today, but. For those yeah. people too, it was a big, uh, that big trauma. Yeah. But I, I completely, yeah. Now that you're saying it, it makes perfect sense. This idea that you know everybody had to work, yeah. I mean, even 
you hear about hockey players back in the day they had jobs absolutely right yeah they, now that's a complete foreign concept but mm -hmm. these guys actually had to go to the steel mill or they had to go oh, work yeah. at the factory or whatever and then go play some hockey right if you hear the story of Maurice Richard it's amazing what he had to to do you know uh, between the games and to be that good yeah you know he was an amazing athlete yeah. Yeah. With a job. <laughs> With a job. We have some hockey history in our family too. Is that right? And baseball. And baseball. <laughs> oh, give it up. Huh. Yeah. What's the what's what are the connections? Well, my uh, my mom, her two brothers, well, two of her brothers, I should say, because the other one was uh, 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 was not involved in sports, but uh, one of her brother was a trainer for the Canadian. Okay. Montreal Canadian. They called it trainer. Today we call it more soigneur. He wasn't like. Michel Therrien, but he was people, the person taking care of the equipment, the, the injuries, the all of this type of stuff. And he was there a long time. You can, every time they show the uh, Montreal Canadian pictures with the five Stanley Cup in their own, he's all in those he's in pictures. Back somewhere. He's there. Uh -huh. you know? And uh, What was his name? His name was Hector Dubois. Hector Dubois. Hector. Yeah. Hector. Hector Lucien. Yeah. The Greek <laughs> gods in this family. Yeah, I like it. I and like it. <laughs> and her other brother was uh, a general manager of the Montreal Royals. Oh, the Royals? A, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. baseball team, you know. Who so became uh, the Expos, right? Uh, they, don't, they didn't become the Expos because the Expos was, you know, major league. Uh, uh, the Royals were uh, a franchise of the Dodgers. Oh, I see. Okay. So, uh, uh, and so he was cool. a general manager. And uh, he was, uh, I would say, a... Uh, I person in the sport in Montreal, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I grew up uh, with these two uncles that were uh, nice to have because <laughs> I could go into the forum and oh I could God, go yeah. into the stadium. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Weren't the Royals the first team to have a black uh, yes, player? Yes, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. Oh, yeah. is that where he started? And that was during uh, my uncle uh, era. That was really? Absolutely. Wow. Actually, wow. They, they erected a statue of Jackie Robinson at uh, De Lormier in Ontario. Mm -hmm. And when they did, they invited uh, Fernand mm -hmm. and Tommy Lasorda, which was Tommy the Montreal Lasorda. Royals, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Jackie Robinson's widow to inaugurate the statue. And I have the, uh, the, the, the movie of it, the, uh, the tape. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? It's, well, it's in the, the tape at the time. Yeah. Wait, wasn't there a rivalry with Tommy Lasorda? Oh, yeah. Well, what happened is my uncle was the general manager and Tommy Lasorda was a pitcher for the Montreal Royals and he was a very good pitcher he was a but he was I don't know I, I shouldn't say that but he was a, I was gonna say hot-blooded Italian but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that works that works I you're, don't know you're, in you're in a safe place we've had fine. some hot-blooded Italians on the show so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. True. <laughs> yeah shout out to G shout out so to G. <laughs> what happened is uh, he was strong-headed and the team was going into a rough period. And Tommy Lasorda had into his head to bring some kind of a uh, voyant. Oh, a, like, a, like, a, like a clairvoyant, like a psychic or something? Yeah, like a sidekick. Psychic? Yeah. Psychic? Really? Yeah. Oh, no, sports teams, uh, it's not yeah. unheard of, man. He had in his really? head to do that. And my uncle had said, no, you won't do that. You know, and he was against it for all sorts of because uh, it's crazy publicity <laughs> reason and all sorts of uh, you didn't religious want religious reasons probably as well image reasons or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to start messing no. with that. Yeah, so he, he didn't want that, but Lasorda did it anyway. Okay, and hmm. 
my uncle kind of fired him. <laughs> he, he didn't kind of fire him, he fired him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sent him back to the Dodgers. Sweet. And the story is that Lasorda was so, so mad that he went into my uncle's office to beat him up. Well, you know? I was his idea to come in and he, he was going to grab him and beat him up. That's and how you dealt with things in the old days. The, the, the way I got the story is my uncle told him, listen, you beat me up and you're never going to play baseball anymore because he obviously is the general manager of yeah. the Dodgers. He's connected, you know. Right. So you touch me and you're never going to play baseball again. So he kind of calmed Backed down off. and, mm -hmm. you know. And this is the type of thing that guys do, you know. You, yeah. you well, blow today, up, you forget it. Today they would mm -hmm. sue each other, but yes, yeah. back then they dealt with yeah. shit. Nah, but the up. funny part is my uh, Fernand's wife, Margot, she never forgave it. She never, <laughs> she never uh, accepted it. So even when they had the uh, the statue in inauguration, she was mad at Lasorda and she wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> really? Wow. And this is years after. He's not even a player. You know? At the time, he was a coach. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah. What a rich uh, yeah. history. It's yeah. great. But Fernand would speak to him. Oh yeah. 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 No yeah. Problem. There was yeah. water under the bridge. And, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Fernand was retired then. And, but know, he was invited uh, to to speak all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. As an expert. He, right? he was He's uh, like a part of the heritage. Absolutely. He's part of the baseball history. Yeah. You know, uh, definitely. Montreal Royals were big in Montreal. It was really big. And, uh, and Fernand was the, the top guy. That's you know? so cool. Wow. And he came from nowhere, Fernand. He, he just... Ask for the job. He started in the concession selling uh, the French fries and the hot dogs. But at, at some point, they saw that he had some... Yeah, uh, the moxie. Yeah, he had what it yeah. takes and he went to see the uh, the top guy and he said, I want the job, I want to do that. And he sold himself, which Back was in the great. Day. In, in the days, it was good. Mm. Back in the day when that was possible. Yeah. yeah. Where yeah. a concession stand guy could yeah. go and... But after the, the, the Royals... Uh, you know, close <laughs> the way they closed the stadium. He was the first president of the Paul Solvay Arena. You know, uh, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Beau Bien Pineuf. He was the first president. And when they uh, they opened the, uh, they they wanted him to get involved with the expos. Uh, he didn't. Uh, and when they opened the uh, Olympic Stadium, they wanted him. To, uh, he was going to be the main guy. To to be the main guy, and really? he refused. He refused because uh, patronage. He he wanted, you know, uh, he had bad experience with patronage before, oh. uh, at the Pulsovi Arena, and uh, so he wanted to, uh, to 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 have the decision about things, you know, okay, not to be pushed okay. people and somebody's brother and somebody, uh, hmm. you know, product or whatever. He wanted veto and like And power. he didn't get okay. it, so he didn't get the job. He didn't accept the job. Oh. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was a very capable person. He had uh, so many, many stories that Can't were imagine. amazing. Yeah. yeah, just working with athletes and, and stars yeah. and Jackie Robinson and all this other stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. He had a lot of stories, but there's some stories he wouldn't get into. You know, uh, mm. he always, he was a, a respectful person and he, he respect, respected the, the privacy of his player. And his, uh, because there's some story that you imagine the team that travels around and, and everything, you know, there's always 
stories. And this would have been what what era? What what ages? What oh years would this? Have been? That would be. Uh, I would be in the late fifties. Late fifties, uh, early sixties. Yeah, early sixties. Yeah, folded up. Yeah. That's interesting. And the society was changing too back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, opening up, as it were. Maybe yeah. things becoming a little bit less conservative. Uh, well, it took a, it took a while before yeah. things became uh, uh, less conservative. But yes, yeah. That's super cool. I just I can't I can't imagine uh, dealing with people at that level. And but I I do I do uh, try to imagine sometimes what it must have been like. How great it must have been like to be able to just settle these things, these differences, you know, face to face, and uh, you know, just be able to make it based on your personality and your your uh, your gusto, mm-hmm. rather than you know your LinkedIn profile or yeah. <laughs> what what startups you worked for or how many followers you have on Twitter. Or yeah, everything seems to be so public nowadays. Yeah. Anytime anybody gets into a desktop, it's like a Twitter war or. Yeah. Somebody snapped a picture, or then apologies. The apology tour. Yeah, have, uh, have you guys been uh, following the Martin Shkreli uh, Wu Tang yes. thing? Yeah. I can't get enough of this thing. Like, it's fairly interesting. It's, <laughs> it's so entertaining. So yeah. then Shkreli, at one point, he hires some goons to to wear some masks and stand behind him while he's drinking champagne i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying that like yeah. that he's saying how hard he is and how he's going to uh, he's, like he's just playing he's just playing but oh yeah absolutely. the guy we're talking about is this individual you may you may have read about him in the news he's the this young pharmaceutical executive who jacked up the price on uh on this drug that that is used to treat uh i think toxoplasmosis toxoplasm- and, uh, and aids yeah, yeah. yeah he HIV. became instantly infamous online and okay. on the internet and uh in the news because he basically was somebody finally put a face on what actually pharmaceutical companies do all the time. Yeah. Right, yeah. All the time, which is they just arbitrarily decide to go 800, 900% increase on a drug just like that. Yeah. And they let the insurance company right. worry about it, which you would know about. <laughs> <laughs> but then you put a face onto it and it becomes more exactly personal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and he's, he's a very unlikable face, too. They per- he's yeah, perfect. A yeah. He's the perfect. He's right. face somebody I know. Yeah. He, yeah. It's a weasley little yeah. a smug 30-something-year-old yeah. kid. Uh, he keeps saying that he came from nothing and he's a Brooklyn kid, but he's very much, yeah. a, uh, he's very much a little brat. Right, with millions of dollars. So he put out this like disc video where he's got like a bunch of guys behind him that are like, that are they're like, yeah, well, you know, lift up your skirt and you know, (laughs) Um, to Ghostface Killer from uh, from Wu Tang. And then, uh, have you seen his response video? Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I was disappointed <laughs> no, a little bit. I was a little disappointed. I think it's I think it's hilarious uh, yeah. because he responded with it's like an eleven minute video, but he's saying like he's like man, you're not a good person. <laughs> 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 and then and like he's like he's like you got to be kind to people, <laughs> you know. And then uh, and then he's like and this whole thing about. You know, your goons being harder than mine. He's like, let me show you something. <laughs> he opens up the door and his mom and his sister walk out. <laughs> and they start saying like... They like, start lacing him. And, start, and he's in the background like, tell him, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, you know, it's interesting because 
just hearing your story with Tommy Lasorda, I wonder if that's how it would have gone down in 2016, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Instead sure. of a nice little conversation. It would the, have made it look. You have two uh, Canadian players during a, a warm-up, you know, that push each other and it's making the news yeah, and they have to yeah, yeah, forever. Yeah. 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 Is the team falling apart? Yeah. Is it all over? Do they need to fire everybody? And mm-hmm. then it's damage control, damage control. Yeah. As uh, as uh, Felna got older, and I, especially after he lost uh, his wife, uh, being the godson, I, I I took care of him with uh, with Jane and everything, and you know, and we got we got very close, and we got into a lot of stories, and you know, uh, and there's one thing, you know, you that is against maybe the image I had of the big businessman of the era, is uh, you know you're talking about uh, Duplessis and post Duplessis era and everything, yeah. and the the thing that surprised me is. My uncle's integrity. I always find, you know, in what he did and the decision he made, and uh, he was always integrity. You know, he wasn't the the guy that uh, was climb head. up because of bullshit and because of, uh, you know, uh, he, he was uh, he was who he was, and his integrity was sacred to him. You know, and I admired that. So he wouldn't slit your throat just to get ahead, kind no, of. No, no, not at all. He had not character. At all. Yeah. yeah, and uh, he was a. You know, he left me uh, uh, scrapbooks of of uh, uh, articles and newspaper and honors he got and and all of this, and it's pretty impressive. That's uh, stuff for somebody with incredible. hardly any schooling. Denise, my sister, was helping him on the side to learn how to uh, to read and write. To read and write. Mm-hmm. He, he knew how to read and write, but business like like. Right. properly like yeah. so many mistakes so with somebody with not so much education he, he did fantastic he always struck me as a very classy guy yeah you know and what was your contact with him what was your uh, well, exposure to him yeah I mean it was to my family he's his uncle the, yeah. yeah he was uh, he was my uncle but um, yes. great, great uncle great uncle great uncle yeah um, he always struck me as a very very like refined person yeah. you know even if he didn't have no. classical schooling maybe like yeah. he was a he was a class act yeah you know like he 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 really had respect for people yeah. he he wa- he watched his his words he was always kind to yeah i've never heard him raise his voice or be unkind in any yeah. way shape or form he seemed very yeah and educated and Cultured yeah. is the word I would and say. And he did a lot, you know. He founded uh, uh, a few uh, association of, uh, uh, is it Lions Club or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. In yeah. his own of. The Lions, yeah. He, uh, you know, he was part of the committee to decide on the location of the Olympic Stadium. I still have, and that's fun to have because I have a booklets of uh, minutes of meetings that they were having on deciding wow. where where to build the uh, the This Olympic stuff sounds stadium. like it uh, belongs in the museum eventually. Right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, uh, it's really cool. M- maybe that's something that uh, I should eventually consider. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like more people should know like his story because he, he, yeah. he was one of these background guys but yeah. was the backbone of... Uh, and he, he ended up being... Uh, industry. Uh, one of the vice president of uh, it was Claude Neon at the com at the time would became became MediaCom you know all the MediaCom, design yeah, yeah. and everything and uh, there was a, a time I remember where he was doing a lot of lobbying because uh, Jean Drapeau and Lucien Saunier 
had decided that all, all these signs on the side of the roads were uh, uh, eyesore. Okay. You know? So they wanted to get rid of all of these. And he was the one that really we got involved. And uh, he fought, he fought there. He fought in, uh, you know, in Quebec City government uh, with all the politicians in order to, to gain the, uh, uh, the, the, the right to put those signs with the, uh, the agreement that they would improve the look of those signs. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a big thing at the time. So yep. he was really involved with that. Hmm, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, these movers and shakers, you know, we, uh, they're, they're rarely remembered, right? We always remember the, the politicians. We remember yeah. uh, the, we, the people that lied to us, yeah. uh, the people that got caught lying, um, the people that were, you know, kissed the babies and cut the cords and all that advance. But we always forget that there's these, these backbone dudes yeah. and, and ladies, obviously, that were, without them, the, none of this would have happened, right? Mm. Um, well, he was actually kind of a celebrity. Yeah, he was. In this day, yeah. In his day, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He was a celebrity. He was not kind of. He was a celebrity in his yeah. days. Yeah. I know he, he had at some point when he had his house, he had pictures with uh, all the politicians at the time, you know, uh, the Bourassa and the Lesage and the okay. Johnson. Okay. And, so uh, he would have had some mad Twitter followers. He had pictures <laughs> yeah, <gonna> with, <laughs> uh, with uh, Prince Rainier and Grace, Ma- uh, Grace of Grace Monaco. Grace of Marco. Wow. And, you know, he, he, okay. he, he was a... He was He's a, a well-known guy, well-known. like Martin Shkreli. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's your buddy. But with class. But with class. Well, yeah. Basically, the opposite of Martin Shkreli. That, that's what came across when you met Fernand. Was like really like he was a he was a class act. Yeah. You know, you could you could tell. Yeah. You could tell. Yeah, I didn't uh, get to spend all that much time with him, but I always got a, a great feeling from him. And one of my main takeaways was just how much him and uh, his wife loved each other it oh, seemed it was, like uh, they were just uh, they were uh, that's why they were two peas in a pod really yeah and they went through uh, through hard times you know uh, the war they got married at the stadium uh, at one point you know uh, uh, so they would not be uh, recruited or uh, I don't know if recruited yeah, drafted yeah. drafted yeah they had a, a wedding in the in the stadium where there was I don't know how many hundreds of couples getting married at the same time. They were part of that. Wow! Oh, they, wow. they got married that way. So there was a mad dash for everybody to get married to not get drafted. That was really. Yeah. yeah. What was the rule that if you uh, were, I, if you were it was not married, my time. It was not okay. my time. I don't know exactly, but uh, maybe that. Uh, on the list of people they drafted, married people came probably a little bit farther. Uh, that push, that yeah, would be my take. That wow. That would be my take. Yeah, of course so, you'd want to send single people out first. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Yeah. Send the ugly people in first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the minorities. But the, the, the last outing, you know, you're talking about Fernand and Margot. When Margot died, uh, he, he went through a really, really tough time and we were here. Right. Yeah, we that's what I was going to say. We well, were there for him, you know. And uh, uh, the last time I remembered them as a couple going out of the residence, they were is at our wedding. Do you remember? They came to uh, mm-hmm. yeah to my wedding with Jane, mm-hmm. and they, it was so big for them to come. You know, uh, uh, I think he he would have uh, crawled to get there. You know, uh, so that's yeah. my my last memory of of them coming out. Mm-hmm. When she died, then he he had a. A really hard time. He had a few episodes there. 
they had to hospitalize him because he was kind of losing his mind. Yeah. He was really well, he was tough. also basically blind, wasn't he? And she he was, was his eyes, so yeah. which makes it he all had the more glaucoma, romantic. glaucoma, and he was getting progressively blind. Right. And uh, and uh, at one point, at the end, he was he was blind. Right. And uh, if I. Uh, my mom and, and Fernand were in the same residence. Uh, and so we were taking care of oh them yeah, and visiting them that. both yeah, and everything. True. They're just on different floors. Yeah. yeah. Right. But uh, my mom uh, had, uh, I, I don't think she was ever diagnosed with Alzheimer, but it was. Chances are she, she chances had. Chances, it. it was that. So she, you remember, uh, she was very repetitive and she. Yeah. But she was happy. You know, she was. People loved her over there because she was the life of the party. She mm -hmm. was joking and she was maybe yeah, saying... she was still funny. Maybe she yeah. was saying the same joke 10 times, but she was... Well, if you gotta, if you got to lose everything else, you may as well hold on. Like if you're going to keep any piece of yourself, <laughs> yeah. may as well be the chipper yeah. jokes. My, mom, my mom always loved life, you know, she, and she went through hard times. She had reasons not to. She was a survivor mm -hmm. and she loved life. Yeah. But my comparison is... She was going through losing her capabilities, but she was happy. Mm -hmm. Fernand was the contrary. He was losing it. He was becoming blind. And he was living a nightmare. Huh. You know, he was... Because it, it comes to a point where they sleep a lot. They spend a lot of time sleeping. And it comes to a times where they don't differentiate between what's real and what's in the dream. Hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, wow. he was... Uh, hard to handle at the, at the place because he was having dream and everybody was against him and they had a plot to to kidnap him and uh, you Tommy know Lasorda was coming and from. they couldn't handle him anymore <laughs> 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 not quite but <laughs> but uh, he, he had all of these nightmare and he was in panic and uh, that's Jesus, why they had terrible. to bring him to the hospital a couple of times it was really tough on him and I remember uh, he had nurses and and people that were fantastic you know yeah. and i remember remember them telling me at one point you know he's been in a, in this crisis since uh, yesterday and uh, we can't approach him because he's telling he's telling uh, uh, off everybody and everybody is, uh, is is coming to get him and everything so somehow for some reason he had confidence in me so i managed to approach him oh, I see. more than other people okay she really got and to see the last of him. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't pretty, you know. Uh, you know, <laughs> we think we're all getting there sometime, and it's not something you want to think about. But anyway, mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to him, and I'm trying to calm him down, and he won't hear it. He won't hear anything. And he's telling me that uh, this guy came in a boat, and, you know, and he had explosive, and he kidnapped him, and he wanted to explode him, wow. and, 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 it's and like all this It's like dementia or something. Yeah, really, mm. really, it's like dementia. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, no, uh, you know, you're dreaming, you know, Fernand, you're dreaming, it's not true. And uh, no, 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 uh, you know, I'm not lying to you, it's there, and, and all the nuns around, and all the, they're all against me, and they, uh, they want to, you know, and I said, okay. And I had a flash, you know, and I said, uh, Fernand, I said, what was the color of the guy's shirt? How was he dressed? Oh, he had a red shirt and he had blue jeans and he had, uh, and he started describing me, describing the guy. So far, and this I is said, super okay, Mario. I said, uh, <laughs> Fernand, what's the color of my shirt? And he said, 
well, like I'm blind, I can't, I can't tell. Uh-huh. So I said, can't you see now it's a dream? And it clicked, you know, it clicked and uh-huh. he, oh, wow. he stopped talking. Jane was there, it was, you know. Wow. And uh, I don't know why it came to my mind, but it came t- for me to, to say that. And uh, then I was able to bring him back. That he was dreaming, yeah. That he was dreaming. And from then on, he, he decided that he could trust me. And any time that he had a problem, I could talk to him, you know. It wow. Was, yeah. Wow, that's intense. That was a click, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Meanwhile, your mom was leading uh, escape attempts from, uh, <laughs> from two floors down. Was that? Your mom was like leading was leading the people out of the out of the old folks' home, trying to get them out to the street. Did she do that? Yeah, you don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> She's trying to escape. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That. She was like, "Come on, follow me. We're getting out of here." And like, then make it down to like the lobby, and then you like, sure you didn't dream that? No. I, How interesting. Wait a what second. Rebel rousers. <laughs> So you're saying that uh, troublemaking is kind of a family, yeah. it's a family tradition. Yeah, yeah. It skipped or my generation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you made these guys. Uh, yeah. Or we'd go, and we'd go and visit and there would be the ladies in front of the elevator. And we'd go and we'd say like, oh, hello, ladies. And they'd <laughs> oh, be yeah. all like, oh, oh that's hello. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And then once we, pass, once we pass, they're like, oh, do we know that guy? <laughs> Who is yeah. that? Because they have no memories? No, they made new friends every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds kind of awesome. Were, <laughs> or they were trading, uh, like they would take their dentures and put them in, and they would be the <laughs> the wrong ones. Oh God! No way, really? Yeah. This is turning no, into no, a Benny Hill that's episode. That's true. That's that definitely I don't remember. true. Yeah. No, that's I heard nuts. that from the nurses. <laughs> <laughs> they they tried to put their dentures in. It was the wrong ones. Yeah. That's I remember there was a sign. Screw up. You know, uh, it was a sign on the wall, and it said, and it's uh, something that. I think often about, you know, it said that uh, we all have the same age, just not at the same time, you know, right. yeah. and that really stuck to me because it's true, you know, things that yeah. I was seeing in my mom at one time, problems, uh, you know, and now I see today or, uh, you know, some time passes, it's amazing, you, you think you're eternal, you think, uh, oh, I'm far from there and eventually you're 15 years later, you're 20 years later and... Uh, yeah, it was fast. And you know what they were talking about. <laughs> I kind of obsess over that a little bit. Like, um, like I often picture myself as uh, an 80-year-old man on my deathbed or something. Um, given, like, what would I do if I was given one day of health, you know? And, and what would I do with that day? And I'm like, I'm, but I'm, I'm there now. Yeah, you know, and so, like, and and I'm and I'm sitting and watching Netflix and, and, and <laughs> eating French fries and. <laughs> oh, you got to enjoy every day. That's all there is to it. Yeah, yeah. you don't think Definitely. ahead. Uh, you know, if you're not afraid, if you're not ashamed of looking behind, don't be afraid to look ahead. You know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Enjoy the day. Absolutely. That that's that's the, always the best advice. It's yeah. just like enjoy it and try to knock down the guilt factor. Yeah. Right, right, as much as possible. I personally, when I think about uh, my, you know, my venerable years, if I should be fortunate enough to have them, because yeah. we assume we are going to have them. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, uh, but if I do, I'm. Uh, this is where I take refuge in my uh, love of uh, technology and science fiction, and I keep thinking to myself, uh, by then the 
they will have made old age really really comfortable like <laughs> bad hip swap it out right, right. <laughs> bad liver get a new one right. uh, you know no hair plant some new hair whatever it's and then not quite that yeah. No, but I have these comical ideas of like the, <laughs> this like eighty five year old cyborg, <laughs> and, and who knows? Maybe at that point, like we will have gotten to a point where virtual reality is so great that nobody's actually living real life anymore. Yeah. Anyway, that's just very possible. <laughs> just, yeah. uh, but I mean, all uh, that generation uh, we're talking like eighties, nineties. They're already kind of cyborgs, right? With uh, the the hip replacements and the knee replacements, they're not just little tweaks anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, some of them are getting. Uh, replacements that are superior to their original mm-hmm. uh, right. knees and whatever, and uh, this and, is their health. We'll all be equal in the in virtual reality, right? Well, <laughs> there's that one thing, but also like unless uh, you got a lot of credits, I don't know, maybe you'll yeah, uh, <laughs> you can upgrade something. But like, like you're, you're you're like like Lucian was saying, uh, <laughs> Lucian. Lucian. <laughs> so I say Lucian. It's Lucian. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Lucian. <laughs> I've Lucian, been called Lucian worse. The vampire. I like Lucian. <laughs> um, as uh, uh, Lucien was saying there you earlier, yeah. is that uh, you know when you were a kid, like uh, people didn't last very long, right? By the time they were 50s, 60s, they were kind of it was done, right? They were finished physically because they worked very hard. Yeah. Uh, or disease took them, or things. I'm like watching that. shows sometime, you know, uh, like uh, this French show. They show. Uh, Something like they build Histoire des Pays d'en haut or something like that, where it's uh, in the 1800s or early uh, 1900s. And you have this guy that now is refined to the house and uh, they take care of him, smoke your pipe in the rocking chair because, you know, they're too old to work, they're too yeah. old and they're close to death. And then in one episode, they tell this age and he's like, 45. 61 <laughs> or 61 59 you know and he was an ancient one and he's an ancient yeah mm. and now and you've got like 85 year old uh, uh, retirees yeah. uh, surfing or whatever. surfing and 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 you know getting caught like having sex parties and yeah. <laughs> I, I have an acquaintance who has a, who runs an old age home and yeah. he says like the the technology has made a difference yeah. they get in trouble they get into fights it's like a school. Mm. They get into squabbles. Oh, yeah. They get yeah, into fights. Yeah. Uh, they sneak out. They I, go on like road trips and stuff <laughs> when they're not supposed to. And it's you like know, I'm retired now, and I'm not one to stay home and sit and watch TV and watch myself grow old. I, I don't do that. I get active in, in different things. Yeah. And like I joined, uh, never done that in my life. Never played really softball in my life. But I joined the league. Yeah. Oh, is that right? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Why not, you know? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the first year I was pretty bad, but now last year hey, I finished almost one of the top hitter in the league. And, uh, you know, so... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So... Uh, Sports. <laughs> sport, but uh, y- you, watch, you watch guys. Guys are guys, eh? whether you're uh, 67, whether you're 70, or whether you're 45. Put a bunch of guys together, and there's going to be conflicts at one time. Yeah. Oh, and they're yeah, going to argue yeah. about another thing, and they, sometimes we have to separate two that want. But that's to how fight we deal with stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, yeah. But in schools, unfortunately, is with the the new the next boys coming, the ones yeah. coming in the next generations. That that's not tolerated anymore. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of problems with that. Um, yeah. uh, I'm l- luckily I met my 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 older son, uh, the one that's in school, is at a school where there are me- actual men educators. And a lot of the physical activities are handled by men, but that's an exception. Yeah. And so when they get rough and they get boy-like, they don't immediately get reprimanded or 
you know, oh, made to sit in the corner. They'll mm-hmm. the gal the guys will just be like, oh, okay, you, you got a little energy in you. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, you know, volleyball game. Let's go. Mm. And yeah, you have to compensate it. that or some other way because right. uh, this they, energy has to come out. Yeah, know? that's just the way boys socialize. Yeah, right. And the, some of those guys that go, uh, come to you know fisticuffs, like they sometimes become best of friends, or yeah. they are best of friends already. But boys deal differently than than girls ab- about things. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and I don't mean to sound sexist. <laughs> no, no, it's no, not no. sexist at all. But just uh, even at work, you know, I supervised. Uh, uh, over the years, uh, teams that are uh, uh, women, men, and men, I found what on that aspect were easier to deal with because, you know, if somebody did something to one and the other, the other one will tell will tell him where to go with bang his fist on the table, and sometimes they would get at each other, but then an hour finished. after it's over. Yeah, it's mm. done. Doesn't drag but, on forever. But with with some of the girls, <laughs> I will say, uh, it could last forever, you know. Yeah. And then they don't tell each other; they tell other people around. And then the th- first thing you you know, you have two clicks, and uh, you know, yeah, uh, they just deal with things differently. Yeah, women uh, ru- ruin things. I'm kidding. I'm joking. But <laughs> not only on on negative thing. You look at the support group. Yes. You know, women uh, have this facility of creating a support group for difficult time. Men don't do that as easily. Right. You well, gen- especially I'm, I'm guessing uh, in, in the times that you were worked, um, guys, had, they dealt with things like you said, but they never discussed what the emotions were necessarily going on, what their feelings were. No. One guy <laughs> just went to the other guy like, yeah. I don't think they knew what their feelings were. Right. Tell, tell it was not encouraged. Yeah. Yeah. Because the other men, incidentally, ironically, the other men would start making fun of you if you started yeah. emoting, right? <laughs> yeah. Be like, oh, look at the little girl. What's what's wrong? You're gonna cry. You're gonna yeah. cry. Yeah. And yeah. You, you know, guys have this sort of uh, self-perpetuating. But there is this kind of teasing. like, if you're if you're um, if you're able to get that worked up and that angry, I mean, that's a very very emotional response, whether or not you're you're willing to to admit it. And oftentimes for me, if I find myself ever getting like, you know, that that type of worked up or that kind of, you know, so angry that I would consider getting, you know, physically violent with with another man, like I walk away from that thinking like, what weakness I just displayed, you know? Yeah. That, that I, I I know what you're saying. Yeah. That's really to it, me that it's is, a defeat if uh, yeah. yeah, if somebody gets you to that point. Yeah. You know, that's that's really you being. You lost your control. He got yeah. you. He got you. Yeah. Got weak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though it masquerades itself as strength, and like you puff up your chest and you do all that, really, that's kind of your weakest moment. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Say, hey, Evelyn, can I ask you a question? You got a moment? Mm-hmm. Which team do you play for? Well, I, I'm a peach. Well, I was just wondering, because I couldn't figure out why you would throw home when we've got a two-run lead. You let the tying run get on second, and we lost the lead because of you. Now you start using your head. That's not love that's three feet above your ass. <laughs> Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. 
Yeah, I had a bit of a, actually on the way here, I had, had a, another Metro moment that was kind of uh, conflicting. Metro moments. Metro moments. <laughs> on fire in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that going to be one of our new segments? Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Metro moment. Metro PCS. I've had a few of these recently uh-huh. with, um, with uh, there's always that, that strange game of like eye contact and when people stare at you too much and... You know, like there's the there's that you know that machismo thing of oh, this person staring at me, and then so you stare back at them, and then you you whoever breaks contact first is like it, it loses. Is the master? <laughs> no, whoever breaks eye contact first is the submissive one, right? Right. right. Well, but that's you're supposed to do that with dogs, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it also happens with with yes. the, with people. Um, I'm surprised that people look at each other in the eyes. Usually, they look at their iPod. Yeah, yeah. No, very recent, true. I, very true. I've recently caught people staring at me, um, and and it's happened quite a bit. You and are a beautiful man. <laughs> I don't. It doesn't seem like they're looking at me with that. What are you getting? Like, what do you feel, what do you think is going on? Like almost like a, like a asserting some kind of dominance kind of thing, and and usually I. I don't like to play those games at all. It's like if if you need if you need that man, then then go for it. Like I'll lose, I'll gladly lose that battle because because I've done the thing where I stare back and I don't feel good while it's happening. You know? If you like, win, you don't really win. No, you never. You no never one win. wins. Like, no. What are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, it's like when you take like uh, bugs and you put them into a jar and then shake them up. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You did that? Yeah, seriously. No, what I never. The hell? Did, I never did. But like, you, you hear stories. I was like wondering, that. how did I raise you? Yeah. <laughs> you're under the. Uh, you're under scrutiny, Richard. Well played, sir. <laughs> so you're in the metro. So I uh, yeah, typically I always just I, I don't play those games at all. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, you win, whatever. Um, and then today, uh, I was on the way here actually, and this guy passed by, and he said, he said some kind of racist joke to me. Like I forget exactly what it was. It was in French, and, and I don't understand. Uh, white guy, black guy, white guy. Okay. Um, he and he so he passed by me, and and, and he he said some kind of joke, uh, expecting a reaction from me, and I just kind of looked back at him with a puzzled with a puzzled look, and and he kept walking. And he went and he sat down on a bench, and then the metro comes, and um, there was a woman who stood up uh, to to get onto the metro, and he gets into her face, and he started like going like do 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 do, like in her in her, you know, he's in her bubble, and right. she's she's got her headphones on, and she clearly wants nothing to do with this guy. But he had two canes, so clearly there was something uh, physically wrong with him. And uh, I was also I got I got the impression that there was probably um, something mentally, some kind of mental disorder as well. Uh, but he's clearly bothering this this woman, and um, so I decided to get I decided to sit close to them. Because he was continuing to do this uh, as he got on the metro, and then so I, I purposely sat there and, and stared him down, like sort of in a way to uh, I was deciding I was deciding what to do in the situation because clearly you know this isn't normal behavior. 
Uh, I don't want to be too confrontational because you know you don't yeah, want to be completely. Don't yeah. You also don't want to be completely insensitive to whatever issues he has going on, but he's also disturbing uh, this innocent, uh, seemingly innocent woman. You know, um, so I kind of just sat there and stared at him and and gave. I was I would look at her and sort of nod just to show that like hey if anything happens I'm I'm paying attention but it was it was really conflicting because he could he could clearly tell that um that I was engaged I guess but he was avoiding eye contact with me and staring at her and then he turned to her and he's like do you know this guy yeah. <laughs> I, I felt very strange about the situation because I, I didn't know really how to how to respond. I think I did the right thing, which is just definitely yeah. sit there and and uh, you know I basically just did nothing. But I did feel a little bit like almost the aggressor <laughs> in that situation. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's weird because usually I'm the one to avoid. Uh, those staring games. Yeah, but this all. wasn't about you. This was about potentially uh, somebody needing help, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So I wanted again. I wanted her to feel comfortable knowing that hey, somebody is is here to intervene uh, if 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 he crosses the line, right. you know. But it's also really hard to know where where is that line. Yeah. You know, I I was tempted to be like, hey, stop, you know, stop talking to her. She clearly doesn't want to be yeah. speaking to you. You, know? but you don't know what kind of situation you're walking into. Maybe but they didn't even know each other. You sometimes know? you got to do it. They did not know each other for sure. Yeah, that was obvious to you. Yeah. That was obvious. Yeah. And if it was, um, you know, a lady that you knew and cared about, then you'd probably be happy if somebody was looking out for her interests. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a natural protection. Yeah, but instinct I mean, that we, we all have. But I you guess. probably changed the course of what was going to happen because you distracted him, you know, so right, yeah. to whatever he was after. Right. You know, he sort of went right from being be. the aggressor to almost being the victim, yeah. which is which is interesting. Yeah, you, you probably know? just diffused the situation without knowing, so yeah. which is good. Well, we're living in North America. I think none of us are, are strangers to seeing uh, marginalized, emotionally or mentally disturbed people walking around. Yeah. Uh, in the metro, in the buses, things like that, um, who you know are walking around because a uh, you know cutbacks in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Somebody did a put put you know rated them on a form, and they rated to be a non non dangerous patient. Right, and there's nothing for him or her, and then they basically are out there. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I think a lot of this also has to do with loneliness. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I see some. Of, I, I see many of these examples that you're discussing. I've even intervened myself. I'm sure you, Richard, too. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Lucien? You must. Yeah, have. I've had situation like that. I worked downtown for many years. Yeah. So you see a lot of uh, poor souls and uh, homeless people, and mm-hmm. uh, you're bound to run into a situation or another. I remember once, I'm coming out of a restaurant with with uh, Jane, and. There's a guy that is uh, asking for money, you know, he's there and he's, uh, he's a beggar. And there's so many, you know, downtown at the time, and it's probably the same today, but at the time. And there were so many, you can't give to everybody, you know, and yeah. uh, so we didn't give him, we passed, you know. Uh, and uh, he shouted uh, some kind of insult to, <laughs> to me because I didn't give it to him. And... 
I kind of reacted to that saying, well, listen, you know, I probably laughed or said something to Jane saying, now we're getting insulted because we're not, you know, we can't give money to everybody. And, and I think he took offense to me reacting and he came after me. But he didn't come, come after me uh, with his fist or whatever, but he started something that he, some kind of religious thing that he was reciting to me or whatever. I was just trying to protect Jane and, and getting ready to, uh, to react if, if he was going to get violent. But at the end of his discourse, then he waited. And then I told him, I said, listen, I don't know what you're doing that. But that's not right. And I told him why I didn't think it was right. I ended up having a very good conversation with him. <laughs> yeah. really? you know, and I was very surprised. Well, this kind of makes my point. Yeah, some people just want you... Some, sometimes some of these lost souls, they're just like, look at me. Yeah. Yeah, well, acknowledge my existence. Well, yeah. if you look around, if you... Uh, and I did that sometime, you know, you at, either at Place du Canada or something like that, and you see those homeless people... And you see the way people are treating them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People won't even look at them. People won't acknowledge their presence. Yeah. You know, it's one thing like that uh, to give them. You know, not everybody can yeah. give them all the time, but uh, they they're totally at ignored. Yeah. And yeah. It must be that must be very very difficult for uh, for somebody in that situation. Day yeah. in day out, nobody like you're invisible. Yeah. You people feel are, like you're worthless. Totally people are worthless. hopping over you like you're uh, somebody spilled lunch on the floor, yeah. right? Yeah, I remember at one point I, I decided to I was going to try busking. So I was going to go and Busking, what does that mean? So go into the metro and play songs and have your guitar okay. case in front of you oh, and, yeah, and, yeah. and um and I mean this is a very very minimalized version of of this, but I but it, it was It was something that I wasn't really able to continue doing because it was so difficult to just have everybody just just walking by uh, pretending that you don't exist, you know? I mean, it makes sense. I, I'm that person most of the time as well, yeah. you know? Like, no, you It's not all people just not caring. It's sometimes people just get used to walking by things. And it's not the context that they're... They're not there to be enjoying your music. They're passing by often in a rush and they're just trying to get through their lives, you know? But I found it so difficult to just I I was invisible for that for that moment, and I found that very difficult. And the reason I say that is is you know that was such a that was such a small because I got to go home to you know people that cared about me, and I got to you know I have shelter and I have all all the privilege that you could possibly ask for, but. To, to picture being in that all of the time to exist like yeah. that, you know. And, and, yeah, and, and you wonder sometimes what the story is, you know. Because, all the time. Uh, I, I wonder all yeah, the time. I, I sometimes stop and ask. Yeah. There was a, there was a guy at uh, close to the Sun Life building. Metcalf, is it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, he was there all the time. And the guy was there and he, he had his hat out or his coffee cup or whatever. And he was asking for money. And he always had a book. You know, and I remember one time I gave him money, and uh, he was reading a book that uh, I had read. Do you and remember I, what it was? Which book it was? No, I no. don't remember. It's too. It's too long. But uh, I said, "Oh, you're reading this? I read that." And we had a conversation about the book, and I left, and I had the feeling 
that my money had gone a long way, you know, uh, right. that I did a lot better than just give him uh, whatever money right. I gave him. You weren't buying somebody a, another bottle of booze. I, I felt that uh, I treated him as a person and, and he had an intelligent conversation. So mm-hmm. whatever story brought him there, uh, you know, uh, it can happen to anybody, I suppose. But uh, I was surprised at the, the level of conversation that we had about that book. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, after that, he was there often. Even uh, Denis that you've met uh, before, my friend Denis. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were talking about this guy at one point because he, he met this person. Uh, we were not together, but he knew about this person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. No, I always wonder about the stories, every time. Um, I've, and occasionally I'll, I'll There's engage. There's a story behind everybody, yeah? yeah? Yeah. Just imagine nobody ever looking at you. Yeah. Just looking at you. Never mind talking and asking you your name and yeah. whatever, but just you are absolutely invisible to yeah. most people. Yeah. Uh, I can see it eventually people turning out to be, you know, walking around in the subway and just randomly trying to get a, some kind of reaction out of yeah. people. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if you listened to uh, the news today. There's a big story today about uh, this fellow that they found. He'd been a, a lost child uh, when he was 20 or 21. He disappeared totally. It's been 30 years. And all of a sudden, the guy, he was talking with a social worker. I guess he's been uh, in, and out of in, the system. in and out of the system. Yeah, He was talking to a social worker. And all of a sudden, he remember his name from the past. He's been lost for 30-some years. They've been looking for him. He was on the uh, uh, lost people like search posters, and everything. everything yeah. And apparently he had bumped. You know, like you see in movie, you bump your head and you lose your memory or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't know who he was. He didn't know who he was. And wow. then that name came. The social worker did some research. The uh, parents had some DNA uh, of, of the kid. And they, it's a match. So it's big story today. Uh, it's on all the networks because the guy has been lost for 31 years, I think. And, wow. he, and he found his parents? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Now, we, we don't know all about this. that happened today or yesterday. It's very mm-hmm. recent. So we don't know all of the story. Uh, obviously, he had some mental issues mm-hmm. before. Yeah. But still, can you, know, you imagine uh, finding your son yeah. thirty years after you thought he? Well, that's why they're making a lot sure. of noise about it today. It's the yeah. story is giving hope to people that have lost child and they've wow. been looking for many, many years. It, things can happen. It sounds know? like something out of a soap opera. Seriously, it is. Like it is. He used to wake up out of a coma and realize yeah. he has a evil twin or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sort of. I've, I've become. I've become almost, I don't know what it is. It's because I'm always aware of my surroundings. I'm, I'm very keen on what's going on around me most of the time. But um, I've become really good at recognizing uh, socially or mentally or emotionally distressed people. Mm. And I always keep an eye on them. I don't know why. Like I like I have a weird, feel like a weird responsibility in case something happens. Mm. Right. Um, and But I've had to step in many times. And sometimes it's been funny. It hasn't always been a downer. Mm. Right, like uh, this one time, I'm just walking down the street, uh, past next to a restaurant that I always go to for breakfast, and I hear somebody yelling to them, like ranting, uh, and just a combination of words. I'm like, I, this person was coming up behind me. I knew immediately that this was someone, a off their meds, be in the full blown some sort of panic attack or whatever, because it just made no sense. It was like a mishmash of political 
uh, disenchantment with the government, but none in particular, mixed with with uh, racial slurs. It almost felt like a mixture of Tourette's and something like that. Mm-hmm. So without even turning around, I'm like, oh, so there's some poor soul, uh, you know, walking around ranting. And he passes me, and he's like this pretty tall guy, um, chubby dude, and he is just like looking around, and he's trying to make eye contact with somebody, and he's just continually yelling at, at people. And I, I couldn't make eye contact to him because it was just over my shoulder. But the this young waitress who works at the restaurant where I often go for breakfast, she was just coming out to like clear the tables on the on the patio outside, and she sort of accidentally looked him in the eyes, and he just like locked in mm-hmm. like immediately, and just started like advancing on her, mm-hmm. and she just like backed into the restaurant. The cook was gone on his cigarette break, and there was no one in the restaurant. Mm. And I could just see her like she's like uh, like she doesn't know what to do. And this guy's just like because the government, because never, and the politicians, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, holy shit, I gotta do something, right? Mm. So I just went in, and I, I have no training. I don't know what to do in this situation. Yeah. So I just patted him on the shoulder, and he turned around, and I was like, you need to go now. Mm. Like I, I I like almost summoned the same voice I would do to my kids. Yeah. yeah. It was like you dad need to voice. go now. Yeah. Yeah, dad voice. I was like N- now now. And he starts to spiel. I'm like, no, no, you go now, out, and you leave. Mm. And then he sort of, it interrupted his thing, and he sort of looked around a little bit, and then he started walking out. And then at the last moment, he just turns around and he looks at me. He's like, I shall do as I please, Arab. (laughs) (laughs) And then he turns around and continues his trail down the street, like ranting. Yeah. And a couple of things were going on through my mind. First of all. That was a very like precise thing that he said to me. Yeah. Number two, no one ever knows what nationality I am. Right. Ever. Right. Ever. Yeah. It, I shall do what I please, Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the waitress tapped, tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Jason, you gotta leave now. <laughs> you gotta go." But he just like <laughs> it was such an incredible feeling to have this guy who was otherwise completely out of sync with the world around him. <laughs> To just he zero in, yeah, he just zeroed in on my nationality, <laughs> at least half of it, with, with such precision. And the, the way he phrased it, it's such an old timey way of saying, yeah. Yeah. "Was I please, Arab?" Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I said, "Good day, <laughs> good day, sir, good day, sir." That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I demand satisfaction. <laughs> so I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I had a, the glove. I had a good laugh, but I mean, obviously, then I told the waitress to call somebody to, so that they come and get him because that whole street. This is uh, uh, Plaza Saint Hubert, right? So it's it's a market street. He right. was going to start that again and again right. and again. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just felt like he had uh, cut loose from somewhere. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, it's 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 tough. I, I feel as much for the these individuals as I feel for the average citizen who I don't think anybody deep down wants to be callous and indifferent right. to mentally ill people. But we just don't know what to do. And also it's, it's really hard to it's, – it's, it's hard to tell sometimes who um, – who has uh, some kind of mental disorder and and who's just a fucking creep, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I actually, True. I've had a bunch of these things happen recently. I don't know why, what's what's going on, but... Uh, you have uh, Richard's Curse. Yeah, yeah, I've got Richard's Curse. <laughs> I got <laughs> always, that going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this was just last week or a few days ago um, on the Metro again, and there's a, there's a girl sitting down on the Metro and she's... She's minding her own business, 
and there's this guy standing, uh, sort of middle-aged white guy, um, and he's staring at her. And I'm sitting kind of far away, but I can see what's going on. He's staring at her, but it's not enough that he's staring at her. He wants her to notice. So he keeps, uh, he keeps, because he's standing up, he keeps um, sort of crouching down while looking at her and oh, then no. approaching, approaching her and then backing away and then repeating that same action just so that she'll know, hey, I'm staring at you, you know, feel uncomfortable or whatever he wanted her to feel. So I actually took a little bit of um, inspiration from Snackman. Do you know about Snackman? Snackman, no. There was like a fight. On oh yeah, yeah, Snackman. Snack Man. Yeah. <laughs> Give was, us the context with Snackman. There was like a fight happening on. I think it was on like the New York City subway, and uh, and Snackman. I like the video. It's pretty funny. It's pretty great. This is something that really happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. This is like there's a there's it's like a viral video. Um, where he just he just nonchalantly he's eating chips or something and it's like he, nachos or something <laughs> yeah and he just nonchalantly just gets in between them doesn't really acknowledge them just he just stands in between them they're like kicking each other and like he just kind of gets in the in, in between them and just continues eating his nachos okay and like diffuses the whole situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> snack man he was the best <laughs> that's awesome yeah uh and uh, so I took a little bit of inspiration from that, and so I got up and I just—I I was just on my phone. Uh, I had no reason to be on my phone, but I just pretended that I had a reason to be on my phone. So I was—I was looking at my phone, but I just got up and stood in between them, and then uh, I looked at him and sort of just gave him one of the—you the, know—like the reverse nods, the little upward nod. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, buddy? Yeah, and then. Uh, he got off at the next stop. Boom. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's funny because because even though I'm, uh, I think in those in those situations, I I would imagine that I kind of look like I like I'm confident or whatever. Um, people have told me that that I look more confident than I am. But uh, it's a good thing that he had no idea that my heart was like about to like beat out of its chest. Okay, you're really you know? nervous. Like, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you tell those stories, and uh, I'm thinking, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I feel that in the last couple of years, with all these efforts to destigmatize mental problem, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on cause pour la cause, and that you know these these campaigns, these too, campaigns, uh, and we hear and all the uh, the people that come out known people that have uh, either bipolar bipolarity yep. or uh, make it so you look at mental situation a different way mm -hmm. yeah. you know before you you uh, oh, he's no, a crazy my time he's it's crazy, crazy yeah. and you you right you turn away and you wouldn't look the person you know you wouldn't think of the person behind but i find for a couple of years now you you tend to like you did act before try to uh, diffuse a situation try to manage a situation but yeah without being so judgmental and so uh i don't know how to say it but uh, well, you just our attitude is changing and i think it's a it's great it's for the yeah that's a positive thing for sure for very sure. positive and this guy was a fucking creep yeah, though, uh, for um, sure yeah. just, just like i don't think unless that was just his game but you, inter you, you intervene based on his behavior rather than being a based on his 
a judgment on him as a person. Yeah, yeah, it's just exactly. like, oh, there's yeah. a conflict that's going on. Right. Let me be like snack man, and I'll be phone man, and I'll get in, in, in between. Man. I get it. And, and it's basically <laughs> just because... And I, I, I don't know if she... I would imagine that she did notice what was going on, but she didn't look up a single time, you know? Um, and... Well, she was probably in a state of terror at that point. Yeah, yeah probably. it's, it's probably. possible. For women, yes. you, know, yeah. we, you know, there's a lot of stuff... Uh, that we you know we say and uh, about like men versus women and yeah but that's one thing that uh, that that is shitty for for girls man like yeah the transit yeah absolutely and you hear about it a, a lot you know I think I think um, a lot of women do have that uh, there's that there's that yes all women campaign that happened after the that san francisco shooting thing which was basically saying it was a, a response to every guy who was like not all guys are like this but uh, but every woman is harassed or but every woman does have to deal with the threat of of violence or harassment uh you know yeah, um, at some stage yeah 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 exactly uh, that's a and, real thing that's a real thing yeah and so i do think that it's important for um for you know, everyone, whether you're male or female, uh, to sort of, you know, it's very tempting to just everybody just ignore each other. I'm in my life. I'm, you know, it's not a pleasant thing to get involved in these things. No. But but you got to do it. You talk about community and stuff. And, but it's and not a pleasant thing either to walk away and think after that. You could have done something. You should you have didn't. and you yeah. could have, you know? Right. It's yeah. not a good feeling either. So right. which one is best, you know? Yeah, it's true. You have to measure the situation and act accordingly. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's weird. I've been, having a, I've been having a bunch of these things. I don't know I don't know what it is about me. It's like <laughs> You're in love. That's what it is. <laughs> Maybe Sometimes, you're just more observant than, than most or... Yeah, I mean, I had I had another I had a guy um, come onto the bus at one point, and um, I'm sitting in the back seat, minding my own business, and uh, I'm just I'm, I was on my phone uh, genuinely this time, <laughs> and he, and he gets on and he's and he's immediately he's staring at me, and I don't like to play those games, so I looked up, saw he's looking at me, I look away. Uh, look up again he's still staring at me and he's kind of moving from side to side and he's he's like <laughs> agitated and um, and then so I'm like oh crap you know this is this here we is, go again here we, here go, we again. go yeah um, and then so and I had my headphones in so I so I took one out and I said I looked at him and I said you alright and he goes you're soft man you're soft I just want you to know that you're soft. And then he's looking at me like he's like trying to challenge my masculinity or or my machismo or whatever. And I can tell that he definitely is looking for for a, a fight or or at least to to intimidate someone. Else. Yeah, yeah. And um, at this point, the bus hadn't left yet, and I felt myself just like I felt all of the. The, the instincts kind of kick in and I started to I started to breathe really heavily through my nose and my heartbeat went like raised um, and I could feel that I was about to I had to make a decision here and um, fight or flight fight or flight yeah and it was really difficult but uh, I I got off the bus 
at that point. I just I think that's uh, isn't it. The time that you were coming to my place for yeah. uh, Réveillon and you yeah. told me about it and we had a shot of some kind of yeah, <laughs> it really to calm you down because you were no, really... That's a dad. Uh, that's what dads yeah. do. Yeah, 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 you good were job, really sir. uptight and I was telling him that he Poor did mature. the right thing, you yeah. know. Because yeah, I know, but it, there is... What did you have to gain in a situation like that? So you did the right thing. Yeah, because right? again, <laughs> there's no there's no winning in that situation. No, no. All, like even if I, even if I was to... to fight him and, and, and beat him up, uh, you know. Then you'd, you'd feel, feel bad terrible. Because, you'd yeah. feel bad. You might end up in jail. Yeah. You might end up in the hospital even if you win. That's I right. might end up cutting my my uh, hands on his teeth, yeah. you know, and then and then what... And worse, you And know, then uh, what is in my hands now from his zombie blood, yeah. you know, now I'm now And you I'm have two zombie. kids to worry about, yeah. and, uh, you know. I was going to say that that, had, yeah. that changed everything for me. It changes yeah, yeah, everything. For sure. yeah. Yeah. I'm much more cognizant of that factor yeah. because I always think, like, uh, uh, I don't want... You hear about stories of, like, you know, especially like me, if you watch, like, uh, these forensic files and these, like, crime crime show series... You know, and it's you hear about it all the time. Yeah. That hardworking dad goes to work. Uh, you know, broke up a fight somewhere. Somebody, yeah. somebody threw a wild punch, and dude's gone. Yeah, the, yeah. Kids have no parents. Whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. so you know, you get, you get, you make the right decision. You get off the bus, but there, god oh, damn yeah. it, there is a feeling of like. Oh, but that I, that doesn't last a long time, though. You right. Know, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the best thing to do because uh, yeah, that's just the adrenaline. Yeah. Well, right. I was talking to this uh, client of mine. He's uh, he's the first Kurd that I've ever met in my life, like actual Kurdish gentleman. And for those people who don't know where the Kurds are, they're essentially uh, the most kicked around people in the Middle East uh, or thereabouts. Right? They're essentially the ancestral people that became the uh, Persians. So they're an old, very old culture. Yeah, yeah thousands and thousands of year old and there isn't kurdistan the oldest stands when you hear uh you know uh, kazakhstan right. that that just means village by the way or town oh yeah yeah apparently so uh but um so this guy grew up and worked his whole life around the world but he was educated and raised in in iran mm. so it's very interesting to hear his uh he, the way he talks you know like oh uh, i talked to him about data centers you know because he's an it guy he's like Oh, yes, there are data centers in Iran, very well protected, you know, in case Jews come, you know? And you're like, what? <laughs> yes, you know, in case Israel bombs when we are ready. And you're like, oh, oh okay, mm. I guess that's a thing where you come from. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's a really a thing. Like, that's super offensive sounding to me, but he didn't seem to say it in a hateful way. He's just like, that's that's part that's of his life. That's the way it is. It's a yeah. fact of life, you know? Yeah, yeah. and uh, the guy is very much, like, I, 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 I questioned him about all of these, these uh, behavioral things like how are what are some of the customs in his land like what are the things that set off or do not set off people in situations he's like well you know in my country like you don't talk fast if you talk fast when you're talking to someone then it's because you're trying to swindle him uh. and so a mark of respect is to speak really slowly to someone and to let them hear every word of what you're saying if you're like so that's why they don't trust americans that's part of cultural reasons that they're at odds with Americans because they Americans tend to talk fast and hmm. want to do business, yeah. and they are immediately suspicious of that uh, sort of thing. But um, he was talking about uh, what I was relating to is back to the fight or flight conversation. Yeah, as he was talking about his dad, who he loves, 
um, and he told us about an earthquake that happened in his uh, region, and it was a fairly significant one. And he's talking about how his mom was like scavenging the neighborhood to find all her children and get them out. And Mm. what a crazy moment that was for everybody. And she's just literally, she's running around this little woman with two kids on her back and she's just picking up, like she's got like four kids on her back. Physically, she shouldn't be able to carry that many children, but the panic of the situation. And she gets back to the house to grab a few things so they can Mm -hmm. evacuate because they're evacuating the whole city. And I was like, where was your dad? Oh, he, he, we, they found out he had immediately taken off and just left the whole family there in the earthquake <laughs> and was, was chilling in the safe zone right with the aid workers and like having a drink with some of his buddies. And he's like, oh, okay, you made it out with my eight kids. Thank, thanks, honey. Anyway, so as I was saying, <laughs> and he's laughing about it. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. It's dark. Right? You could never do that. No. But I guess what I'm, I was trying to get to is, yes, I can understand as a male that walking away from that, there was a little bit of a sting. Yeah. Just a little bit I of hate a sting. that exists, but it's, there, there it's was. There. Yeah, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit of a sting because, you know, maybe it's natural. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's like it's, a built-in like mating thing, yeah. right? It's a ritual where like, who's the alpha, yeah. who's the beta yeah, kind yeah, of exactly. thing. Yeah. But when right. you have somebody who's like mentally unstable... Right, like you need to be kind of. There's nothing to gain there. Magnanimous. There's no that rational sense to there. Be, you know, there's. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I know I made the right decision. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah. 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 Well, we, because that's the it plays into the whole protector syndrome. Yeah. Right. It's the reason why you keep stepping in when you see people in distress. And we talk about cinematic narratives all the time. Yes. Right? Like. That somebody's gonna step up to you, and then you're gonna you're gonna back down. Like that's not something that would happen in a movie. No, that's but not it's the narratives. right thing to do in real life. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the things I really liked about it was one of the Louis C.K. shows when he's on a date with a uh, with a woman, and uh, and then um, they're they're in a, a diner. Everything's going well on, on the date. They're at like sort of the end of the night, uh, having a slice of pizza or something, and then these these sort of teenage young bucks come in and they're drunk and and uh one of the guys starts starts harassing them and and louis kind of like what am i gonna fight you like come on and he he sort of he totally backs down and then afterwards you know the um, his date is like look i know that was the right thing but just there's there's something about what happened. I just <laughs> lost all attraction to you. <laughs> to you. Yeah. And then, and then, so he, and then he, so she goes off. He follows the 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 guy home. Um, ends up like stalking him and 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 following him on the train all the way to like Long Island or whatever. Oh, because he's trying to recreate the. He's trying to end the like to get the fight back or something yeah, yeah like just so he can tell the girl that he he went through with it or yeah for some reason he's compelled to follow this guy and then he follows him home and then uh you know he knocks on the on on the door and and you know meets their parent he meets, meets the guy's parents and then uh i guess he tells a bit of the story and then the dad goes and yells at the kid and, and hits the kid and then He's, he realizes like oh shit <laughs> you know this kid doesn't have it easy and then and then so I think his instinct is to hate the parents but then he ends up having a smoke outside with the dad and, and relating to him and it's just it was, it was a wonderful kind of um, 
study on, on, or, or, or shades of gray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. How everyone's got a just, story. Everybody's just fucked up in their own way yeah. for their own reasons, and 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 yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and the, but you're right. What you said about the phones, how it, it is interesting that. Um, that there's still people actually trading looks and looking at each other and actually interacting. Yeah. Um, too much. A little too much, actually. People, that's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that, how many times <clears throat> you encountered that. Uh, yeah. This I, situation. But when you were young, did people did people used to like chat on the on the train and the buses? Did people used to engage each other? Did or were, were, were it happened? More? But uh, most of the time, people just went their own way and went about their and, and you know, I don't. You know, I took the the the, the, the metro and the, and the, the the train, the commuter train, many many years, and I yeah. I don't have that many stories about situation uh, yeah uh, like that. Uh, I wonder what it is. Sometimes I wonder if I have like uh, sometimes I'll catch myself. I'll be in a great mood, and then I'll catch myself in like the window or something, and be like, "Oh God, it looks so angry!" Like. Uh, well, I have a like, face that people always think I look angry and I look Yeah, mad. you have a resting bitch face. Maybe yeah. people are too scared to arresting uh, <laughs> yeah. engage me. Yeah. But, but I have a R- serious face. RBF. Yeah. 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 yeah sometimes I've got, a, people, I've got a bit of that. I think. Yeah. Sometimes I'm surprised at how angry I look in my reflection. Yeah, like, oh. I catch that myself too. Yeah. On a totally different topic, when yeah. you were talking about uh, this lady picking up her kids while uh, while the dad was. Uh, Probably having a drink uh, yeah. and calming down. <laughs> uh, I volunteer at Dimil uh, Village. I don't know if you're familiar with no. uh, 10,000 10, Village. Yeah. 10,000 Villages, which is really a fair, fair trade store. Okay. And uh, it's uh, basically fighting exploitation. And it's countries that are underdeveloped developed country to help people, artisans, to... Uh, to sell their stuff at a fair price so they can earn a living, etc. Mm-hmm. And what brings me to that is uh, in many of those countries, this tremendous woman that came out, uh, and that's what we support mostly, maybe 75% of the people that benefit from Zimil Village are women that are outcast in the society because they're not with their husband anymore, because... Uh, their widows, or because Left uh, or whatever. you know, it just they cross some one of the hundred million cultural yeah. Yeah. no-nos. Yeah, it's like the men is everything, and and women have without uh, an husband have no value. It's worthless. Yeah, and there's some terrible stories, uh, but there's also some wonderful story of people that came out of that and created cooperative in their areas, and the whole village now is living out of these. Based on their uh, hard work. Based on their hard work and mm. based on, uh, you know, very creative people, very organized people. Uh, and and it's, it's, that's why it's a very worthy cause, you know, to, uh, to work for. Yeah, definitely. We're going to post a link to that so people yeah. can check yeah. that out. Yeah. And even just the fact that la- the lady in the house sometimes, in, on top of taking care of the kid and taking care of everything, can earn a little bit whether she's making basket and whether she's getting the proper amount of money for it and she gets a voice in the in the in the in the house you know she has something mm-hmm. she becomes an ec- economically yeah. viable yeah so uh, i mean what what that accomplishes is fantastic it's a huge power yeah huge mm-hmm. but uh, yeah empowerment i still yeah. don't understand personally i mean i'm glad that fair trade is a concept now as opposed to it never having been not a concept for yeah. the longest time 
But uh, the tiny little social activist in me wonders why we're not all fair trade all the time. Why is that just a nice. cool thing you can do if you go to this store and that store? Like People why? go to the Walmart of this world and uh, mm -hmm. want to be cheap. And it's okay. I mean, we all go to Walmart. I go to Walmart. It happens here. But, you know, what we do, Dzmil uh, Village organization is not a charity. You know, it's a non-profit organization. But it's a business. But you can't call it a, a charity because right. it's a business. It's in fact the opposite. You, you're creating yeah. people, you're at. You're giving people the power to be self-sufficient. Exactly. Which exactly. is a charity actually is now being revealed as having been det yeah. incredibly detrimental. Yeah, to but as a consumer also, you know, knowing that you buy fair trade, I sound like a commercial, but that's not what I'm doing. Uh, You know, it gives you dignity as a as a consumer too, because you know you're not encouraging a, a children exploitation mm -hmm. or, or that type of yeah. stuff. You know, uh, that, that you're buying at a price that is what it should be. That's with something the I think in it. that right. we've definitely lost as a society. Yeah. There used to be such a thing as uh, uh, in dignity in as a consumer. Yeah. Right. There used to be mm -hmm. like the reason back back we're talking when we had like uh, butcher shops and we knew the names of the of, yeah. of the butcher and we knew the name of the guy that did this and the woman that did this and the baker. And every purchase was, first of all, that butcher or that baker like worked his or her, her ass off because the community that they served was they, they were probably also family members, but they were at minimum people that they saw every day. So there was a pride in them making the best right. whatever it is that they did. And then the people buying it knew that they were, A, putting money into their community. That's right. And B, just like it, it was just like uh, it made sense. Yeah. It comes down to where your money goes. And it's something that we still struggle with even in Western society. Even if you take aside like the, you know, third world element of it. I mean, Danny, as a, as a musician, like the... The, the big labels take all of the money. That's a really good mm, point, by the way. Right? That's and exactly what I wanted the, to segue the, into. The musicians get nothing, you know? Right. So, like, there's, there's something to the fact to know where your dollars are going. That's right. Right? Like, to mm -hmm. be able to, as a consumer, say, like, I'm paying to this person to produce this, this thing, as opposed yeah. to I'm paying Walmart and they yeah. can pay slave wages to these people That's who right. are actually producing the... Right, and, and uh, in a lot of ways, uh, that whole idea of voting with your dollars, I mean, that actually probably has a lot more of an impact than That's your true. actual uh, supposed yeah. actual participation votes. in yeah. the democratic process, yeah. you know? Totally. Yeah, um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, the things we don't necessarily look into, uh, you know, there's uh, the, I would say, the fashionable charities, you know, uh, Cancer Society, uh, UNICEF, and all these things. Mm -hmm. When you start to look where your dollar goes, yeah, you get some really big surprise. A lot of high-paid. Uh, you CEOs, get some really big yeah. surprise, and uh, and I'm naming those, but I, I'm sure there's a lot of charity. What I'm saying is, we should look <laughs> at the organizations we want to support. Right. There's a lot of and see what is really happening. There's a lot of vanity charities. Yeah. 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 Breast cancer being a big one. Yeah. There's no real concerted effort in breast cancer. Yeah. Everyone on all the companies have these events and walks for breast cancer because yeah. it's kind of like the sexy cancer. Yeah. Right? Everybody loves boobs. Yeah. 
Right. But not prostates. <laughs> but not prostates. But, but you know, we, we got, got Movember. Movember. Yeah. <laughs> right. But hey, see, see what's jinx, jinx. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. like what's where the music thing is a really good tie into what I'm saying uh, because um, I was just listening to somebody talking in the music business currently uh, trying to talk about uh, piracy again, like discussing where it is now and mm. how much of a chunk it takes out of of the artists now. Right. Prior, prior to the artists, because now the artists have a lot more control over their material. They can self-produce. They can do this and that. And the other thing. So now piracy is really starting to kill bands and it's starting to kill artists because they're literally taking the money out of their 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 hands. Yeah. The right? only place you can make money is by touring at this point. And even that's dying. Even those guys are having trouble staying on the road now unless they're that was really kind of big always guys. the case, though, no? Yeah, but they, there was it like was sustainable. You, as an artist, you would only make money off of the, off of the touring, the merchandise. You would yeah, make like like a penny off every album that was sold. Yeah, yeah, but with well, it's becoming really really tough. Like a lot of bands are folding. They cannot they cannot do it. And uh, to be fair, a lot of bands also are failing because, uh, they're not paying their dues. Like when they go out on tour, finally. They immediately want to ro- roll with the with the uh, the big buses and roll right. like they they've made it. Yeah, yeah. And they 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 blow their advances and stuff. And mm-hmm. there's been conversations about that too. But what I wanted to get to is that I think from the days that where we used to think about where we put our money, we've now transitioned to this weird society of entitlement to the the lowest price and to the free. Yeah, free and lowest price has become uh, a tactic for. You know, all of the computer stuff, all the apps, all the memberships, it's everything is always pitched to you as free, right? Mm-hmm. Or for a very low buy-in. And then because these schemes are all designed to eventually nickel and dime you on the long term, right? Yeah. Memberships mm-hmm. are now yeah. the number one business model right. on earth. Yeah, the, That $10 a month is way sweeter than getting that sixty nine ninety nine out of somebody right. on day one, right? But with this mentality, what ends up happening is... Uh, these kids just expect everything to be free, mm-hmm. right? And then with the, the the outsourcing of manufacturing to to China and to all these other places, this is now the standard thing that happens. Consumer walks into a store. Consumer wants to buy something that he saw in an ad or in a movie or something. He thinks it's awesome. He checks the price. Then he goes home. He gets on his computer. He yeah. gets on eBay. He gets on Amazon and he gets the Chinese version for a tenth of the price. Right. Yeah. And you can't almost blame that individual because this is the consumer education we're giving to everybody. But that creates a mentality. Mm -hmm. So once you have enough people go through that, try to go tell some 18 year old kid who buys all his T-shirts wholesale and he's all these other things. Try to tell him to pay $20 or $30 more than he's paying right now to keep his local store going. He doesn't understand what that is. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't understand. He just thinks that store is trying to rip him off. Right, it should be free. Right? <laughs> yeah, or, or, yeah. or like, dude, on the internet, it's 12 bucks. What the fuck, yeah. right? And and um, I think that's hugely problematic. Yeah. Because it's not that people are not choosing to make vote with their dollar. is they don't understand. Right how any of the stuff works anymore right and the companies are taking advantage of this i um i saw something recently and I'm, it's so absurd to me and conflicting that i i'm honestly not sure if it was a dream or not but i'm pretty sure 
<laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw. Are you channeling your your great uncle? Yeah, a little bit. What's, what's the color of my shirt? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well oh, done, shit. sir. Well done. <laughs> I believe I saw an article, and hopefully one of you can can uh, corroborate my story, that Amazon is now opening 300 books, yes. physical bookstores. Holy shit. I, like, I'm so conflicted by this because, I mean, how many bookstores closed because of Amazon, right? All of them. I think yeah, Indi- almost all of Indigo them. Indigo might be the last one standing. Yeah, yeah, there's like no bookstores left because of Amazon. And and a lot of us were, were like, oh, well, it's just so much easier to just get it from Amazon. You know, it gets delivered to you really quickly. The prices are always cheaper, you know. Mm. You can buy used copies. Right? Yeah, exactly. On top of that, there was, uh, I know, with like the, the whole Kohl's group or one of the big... Kohl's, uh, yeah. Or chapters. Chapters is now Indigo, isn't it? Yeah, chapters. Yeah, I think they're all. So Coles yeah, yeah. maybe is the other one. But there was, um, you know, there were uh, large uh, stores that would not carry books because they were also being uh, uh, launched on Amazon as well. Yeah, I learned about that from the Tim Ferriss. The Tim Ferriss, yeah, 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 exactly. He had to deal with a bunch of that where he couldn't get his book into physical bookstores because they were trying to strong arm him to not go into uh, Amazon. Amazon. So then you think, well, f- well, fuck these guys for being for being like that, trying to bully me, trying, yeah. And then so you kind of hate those guys, but then all of these bookstores that got closed, and now Amazon is is is. It's very confusing. Opening all of these physical bookstores, like, what do you, what, how are we supposed to react to this? Yeah. What's the, what's so gonna, the response? You're going to go in and order a book and it's going to be flown in by a drone? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. What's yeah. so happening? Glad, I'm so like, glad you brought up drones, by the way. Yeah, it's Life is so absurd with all of this. Like, yeah. it, it makes no sense, you know? Yeah. What's your take on drones? No, I find them scary. I find them very invading and, uh, you know, I was watching not so long ago uh, a ski competition where a, a big drone with cameras fell right behind the skier. Oh, yeah. Almost yeah. killed him. Almost killed him. Yeah. You yeah. know? So yeah. drones are going to be all over, controlled by people that have no training, no knowledge or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And already, uh, especially in the state, I think it's a, it's a huge problem. Well, they've, yeah. they've, uh, they've uh, released... Uh, Legislation about the like FC- where in in the states in the states yeah like FCC federal kind of, yeah like regulations about because they were all around drones uh, of a certain size like, yeah they like were the all around ones. airports and uh, risk of colliding with airplanes oh well, yeah, yeah yeah one of those flies into a jet engine like yeah well so, they already yeah. have that with birds but yeah there are also people yeah. now three D printing uh, drones then three oh, yeah. D printing yeah. guns. And then attaching the guns to the drones. No. Yes, no. it's starting. It's already it's, happening. It's starting. Wow. It's starting. Ah, but the good news is fuck. the French, uh, the French who anything mechanical, they immediately start racing them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This those. is something about the French we don't we don't remember. But this is a lovely, lovely aspect of the that culture is like the second anything mechanical can move, they're like. 
all right, let's put numbers on them and race the fuck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> so there's already this Bush League now. Yeah. You can find them on the internet. I've been all over this this week, by the way. Yeah. And they're just a bunch of dudes on camping chairs in the woods uh, sitting around with virtual, like, uh, goggles. Uh, with and they intense. have these, And they just race these things through the forest, and they can see out of the drone, right? Wow. So it's like they're that's just iconic. It's yeah. real life Mario Dude, Kart. I, I know where to get the drones. Yeah. They're fully modular. We can get into this, but it's under five hundred bucks to let's get in. All right, let's do it. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so for that part, so I want to say is like that. That's a face of drones that I was like, okay. It's also the name drones. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah, it sounds pretty. If they were called like quadcopters or right. something like that, or it would be better. Yeah. Heliproxies or something yeah, yeah, really like yeah. benign. There's something aggressive with drones. Yeah. yeah. Well, the only other drones are the ones napalming you know, brown people in the yeah. Middle East, right? Yeah, I think that right. should be like a linguistic division. Between we need a those. new word. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely it seems a little word. Terminator. Tim- yeah. Terminator. It's very Skynet. I'm, I'm yeah, kind of. Skynet. I'm kind of okay with being scared of them. Like we should maybe. We should be aware that, that there's a lot of implications, you know. One of the things that I'm really, really terrified of uh, is is just, you know that drones are going to be all around just for advertising purposes, oh, you yeah. know, and that's already happening. I think there's a, um, there, were you telling me about this? Or yeah. There's a, there's a, um, an intersection in New York, in New York where they, yeah. they just fly around they, with they, suits. They, yeah, they put uh, hangers and suits on the drones and the drones was like you in your office and in front of your window, it flies you, by see, your d- you see a suit or a dress <laughs> telling you where to buy it. Amazing. You know? right. <laughs> and like, yeah. The future is now. Well, you'll be happy to hear this if you haven't already, uh, uh, Lucien, uh, your, um, your wife's people, the Dutch, uh, who are also a fantastic people because they immediately approach it super pragmatically. Any prob- social problem they have. Right, even if it's like a huge disease, or whatever, like they have a really polite conversation about it, and immediately start hacking away at the problem. So the way they're combating drones in uh, Holland is they've immediately created a police force. Are you ready for this? Uh, armed with eagles. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. saw that. And they, they go and grab. They, the, I've seen footage. <laughs> the like, eagles take down the drones. Eagle oh, force. Cool. <laughs> eagle force police. Right. That's cool. I've never wanted to be a cop in my entire life until I saw that video. I was like, Can you imagine the power? Like, okay, scene is downtown. That drone is flying around with the suit. It's illegal. It's crossed the line. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's panicking. It's about to fall on a small child, and a fucking ah! eagle swoops down. Wait, I'm not done. The eagle swoops Off of down. Your arm. No, 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 hang on. The eagle swoops down, disables the drone, and and lands. And everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And then it just fl- takes flight again. It lands on your arm as everyone and yeah. you're just standing cool. there, like, "Yeah, <laughs> eagle force." As you're like, <laughs> in unison. In the states, I think it was in Texas. They just shoot them. Oh, it's, of course, People Texas has always had them, that that oh, solution yeah, yeah. to everything. <laughs> They're like Ebola. That's great. Cool. I like that. Uh, eagle force is amazing. It's not called Eagle Force, but I'm calling it, Eagle Force. Yeah, it's, yeah. now it's Eagle and Force. I think, I think uh, we should name this uh, podcast Eagle, Eagle Force. Force. <laughs> <laughs> I think other uh, other uh, police police agencies are are, uh, are picking up. I love that. That's what I mean, but I, I love this Dutch sort of like any other society would have been like, okay, we need a new laser. We need a new sensor. Dutch is like, but what about eagles? <laughs> it's, it's such a orga- ergonomic. They do things differently. It's the right? drone's natural enemy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
there was like a there was a powwow at some point. Like, what, what if it's a drone, drone shape as an eagle? Enemy? Right. Sorry. Oh. What if it's a drone shape as an eagle? Oh wow! Oh. Wow! Eagle fight. That's, how, that's like, how they'll meet they'll eagle versus. Eagle like, <laughs> yeah. This is a film I need to make now. <laughs> meet eagle versus <laughs> mech go. eagle. Yeah. You've got a plot and everything. And I've yeah. got the plot. Uh, eagle wars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're gonna start adapting and making the drones look like eagles. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it's an interesting situation. Nature well, versus machines. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's back to that old same old struggle. <laughs> back to the beginning machines versus man yeah. eternal war alright well uh, Lucien uh, it's been an a- absolute pleasure to have you uh, with us please please come back well thank you very much I really enjoyed it yeah. I was a bit uh, afraid before that that I couldn't you know contribute much to the conversation Well, but I really enjoyed it and I want to compliment you guys because you do a very good job even listening to uh, to your podcast uh Somebody made a comment that it sounds like a conversation you want to be part of, and I totally feel it. Wow, so you guys you. do very, very good. Congratulations. Thanks. And I love your, uh, your musical intro. Thank so, you. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for badass. having me. I, I enjoyed it. Check us out on iTunes. Um, rate, subscribe, uh, leave us some comments on uh, SoundCloud. Yep, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher, we're on iTunes. Um, spread the word if you like what we're doing Um, let us know if you have thoughts about the show and uh, you know send us messages if you want to be part of the show and if you think you have something cool to contribute fire in the whole podcast at gmail.com et bienvenue à une autre partie de la Ligue nationale de baseball entre les Giants de San Francisco et les Expos de Montréal.